0: Time for Wednesday's hour number two on hashtag DailyK with your host, Peter Bint. Korean dramas, movies, and even lyrics. was the world paying attention to Korean stories? From classics to modern masterpieces,
1: time to dig deep into the charms of Korean literature. On Check It
0: Out with Paul. Every Wednesday for hump day, jump day, pump day, whatever you want to call it, it is book day here with us in the studio. Paul Matthews coming in to read some delightful translations of Korean works with his lovely locks of hair. How you doing, Paul? Let's get on to today's book then, Paul. Okay, I don't know if you've been out and
1: about, the weather has been gorgeous, the flowers have been blooming and now the petals are falling and I thought I'd bring a book that reflects that. It's got the beauty of springtime, but also... The hardship of a young woman's life.
0: Oh, okie dokie. Maybe uh, related to spring and the petals falling, it becoming harder for the flowers, whatnot. What is it called today? It's called Yang Kong's Garden,
1: and it's by Huang translated by Johnson Sung Hee. And uh, it's all about this anonymous part time worker, the little ups and downs in her life, and one incident in particular that profoundly affects her. Oh, is this a modern tale or one from back in the day? No, this is very modern. I think it was uh, first published in English in 2015 and was uh, released in Korean around that time as well. So this is uh, pretty much up to date. Fantastic. Huang
0: Jong-un, oh, tell us about the author. Uh, born
1: in 1976 in Seoul, uh, she's was actually a university dropout, mm. but she kept on writing, she kept on plugging away, and in 2005 she got a short story selected for the Kyunghyang Shinmun Annual Spring Literary Contest. And it all took off from there. She's had a number of novels and short story collections published. She's been a prolific podcaster. She's won numerous awards over the past decade, including the Daesan Literary Award and the Kim Yoo Jung Award. And uh, she's actually had not just this book, but also two of her novels published in English. Nice. Uh, 100 Shadows and I'll Go
0: On. Oh, a podcaster. That's pretty cool, too. I don't think we've heard that detail about too many authors. Uh, the translator for today. Day we featured
1: featured, uh, yes, quite a few times. Jun Sung Hee is one of those prolific translators, especially with these uh, short stories that are uh-huh. done by Asia publishers. Um, and she's fantastic. We featured her with Spring Night, with Traversing Afternoon, Hedges, Snow Flowers, Convalescent, Spring Spring, Poor Man's Wife and I'm sure we'll feature her again. Okay. Um, she is uh, a lecturer at Boston College, uh, she's a scholar of Korean literature, she translates from English to Korean as well as from Korean to English and we keep on promising that we're going to do her translation of the autobiography of President Kim Dae-jung but we haven't
0: done it yet. We're getting around to it yes, uh, we'll do that genre. I don't think we We've done a full-on autobiography that'd be cool um so this is a short story you can digest it in a day oh less than a day this is that this is a short story it'll take you
1: it'll take you an hour oh wow and if you're a slow reader maybe an hour and a half two hours but it's it's a nice short story something that you can read on your way to work or just when you're curled up in your
0: armchair an anonymous part-time worker is the star of the story where do we start
1: Uh, Well, we're starting in the middle of the story and about this incident that profoundly affects her when a girl comes into her store. That night, a girl came to the store and stood in front of the counter and asked for two packs of cigarettes. She was wearing a school uniform with a ribbon around her neck and was holding paper money in her right hand. She was pretty and looked at me as if she was challenging me, although she also looked a little anxious. When I told her that I couldn't sell cigarettes to a minor, she said that she was on an errand. The adults were outside, she told me, and gestured outside. I turned my head and looked out to see two men standing near the phone booth. One of them was wearing a hat and looking in our direction. Now, can you sell them to me? She asked me a little more forcefully. When I told her, tell them to come down and buy them themselves, she hesitated for a moment and then went out. I saw her walk up the stairs, approach the men and talk
0: to them. maybe a little tip of the hat to what we were hearing there a minor trying to buy cigarettes often painted as a as a bad little girl or something but i don't know i i i don't know if it's cuz i'm a parent and i have a girl myself i was worried here i'm worried about this girl and these shady gentlemen she's talking to so the narrator we don't know her name or anything no we just know that she's
1: this this young woman she's working part-time jobs and yeah she's met
0: this girl just randomly as a customer doesn't know her at all right no and that's i don't know convenience stores i don't know if this is a cultural thing but it's often young girls you know just part-time working there they're often just on their phones the whole time they don't really care about that company or convenience store but they'll often work there because it's not that dangerous to work in a convenience store here like even late at night i see often young girls by themselves in other countries i think might be a bit touch and go but here it's okay
1: uh, yeah it's it's just if you're getting through university or just you know you need some extra money then mm-hmm. it's a it's a job to do but it's not a great job to be honest, and no, uh, I it's think not very this, stimulating. No, and this story sort of focuses on that aspect as well. But but we've talked about this incident, and mm-hmm. we'll come back to this incident later on in the book. Oh, okay. So she works at a basement bookstore. Oh, yeah, not that a convenience store. cigarettes. Yes. Okay. Um, and she's a cashier and she's stuck underground all day. Oh. And in spring, she sees the petals falling through, down the stairs, through the door. Oh. So she sees the spring <laughs> coming the in, but, but never gets to go outside. Uh-huh. And she's been working for a long time, since she was a young kid. And she talks about how bad her experiences were, how she was mistreated by various customers at various places, how she had to run to get the bus to go home because the next one wouldn't come for another 40 minutes. And uh, then she talks about the time that she got tuberculosis. Oh, dear. And spent a year at home.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, to recover. And her mother also had liver cancer. Her father (gasps) was taking care of both of them. And during that time, she couldn't really do much. The only thing she could do was read. And she was reading various things and thinking, well, I don't want to write something stupid and leave it behind when I die. So is this like a kind of journal or it's more... We never never know. We never know. But she's talking to us somehow through these pages. Mm -hmm. And she goes back to talking about the bookstore and we find out why the book is called Kong's Garden. Because there's a cat who hangs around the entrance and this cat has kittens. And one of them is named Kong kong oh and there's another worker ho who makes them a little shelter in this tiny garden mm-hmm. with a box and an old umbrella and the cat and the kittens become part of the bookstore and the customers treat them well and so on and then ho and her the narrator they start dating oh. they, they share what money they have they have a good time together but they end up fighting and he leaves his job at the bookstore and she's just left there and they split up Yeah. So she's still working. The kittens are growing up and leave, except for Kong. And then the kittens come back when they get pregnant, (laughs) and then they go away again. And then there's another man in her life, another colleague, J.O., who scares her because he tells her a secret about the bookstore. He says that underneath the bookstore there's a storeroom. Uh So this is the second basement. All right. And he says there's a secret passage leading from the storeroom, connecting (gasps) to it, that goes all the way through the apartment complex, these tunnels. Wow. The bookstore owner says it's not true, but whenever she's down there eating her lunch... She feels a draft, and she can't tell where it's from. Oh wow, this is turning into something I wasn't expecting. Yeah, it's a it's a very odd one, and uh-huh. th- and then we come to this day uh-huh. where we had this first excerpt: this girl who comes to the bookstore, and one of the men comes in to buy the cigarettes after she gets refused, mm-hmm. and he's weird. Okay, and he's he's talking in a very strange way, and she senses something is up, but she doesn't do anything i mean what can she do the, the, they've not done anything wrong the sure. girl tried to buy cigarettes but that's it
0: it's just the heebie-jeebies she's getting yeah but then the girl disappears the girl who came in to buy cigarettes yeah oh well but she doesn't know her how does she know she's disappeared like you, you don't mean like a magician like poof <laughs> no i mean the police are coming around and asking oh. questions <gasps> and that's why we'll pick it up with the second reading
1: Her classmate, who was the last person to see her before she disappeared, pointed to a bench under a wisteria 150 meters away from the bookstore, as the place where they had parted. The police who came to search the area had eventually come to me. Since the incident involved a resident who had disappeared in an apartment complex, the news traveled fast. People visited the bookstore to check the location of the incident or to ask whatever questions came to them. There were days when even random people yelled at me. The girl disappeared here. You were the last person who had seen her. The heartless eyewitness. An adult who did nothing to protect a child who needed protection. That was who I became.
0: Oh, wow. So this is the new label that is put onto her. She's the lady who did nothing to protect her child. That's such a hard situation, though, thinking about it, right? You feel something's not quite right. And I guess in those instances, you could call the authorities and just tell them the truth. You know, I don't see anything blatantly wrong, but something's not right, in my opinion. And then they would do what they would with that information either ignore it and it would be on them but i think most people would just like have that bad feeling and that would be the end of it right
1: exactly i mean i think many of us may have been in this situation if we're walking down the street and yeah. we see an incident we see no one's actually fighting or mm-hmm. no one's being you know hit or anything like that but you sense that there's something going on between a couple or between uh two or three people and you
0: think do i do I say something? Yeah. Do I step in? It's really tough, isn't it? I think the majority of people, even if you wanted to, you just feel socially too uncomfortable to do that, right? Even though you think probably that would be the right thing to do, to intervene. Yeah, and yeah. there's part of you that's saying, well, it's, it's none of my business. Yeah, Sophie's saying it feels like this character felt an unfamiliar atmosphere. And I think humans, I know it's not 100%, and it's no way near probably even the majority of the times, but I think instinct has a role you know there yes. is something about it you do know when something's not quite right in certain instances right when exactly. it comes to children minors
1: uh, yeah and uh, she she didn't know what to do at the time mm-hmm. and yet she's getting all this blame and she feels powerless sure and it's not just random people coming in and blaming her The girl's mother comes in every day. Oh, wow. And she comes into the bookshop and she's handing out flyers. Have you seen my daughter? You don't know where my daughter is. And she asks the narrator every day if she's seen the suspect again and to tell her again what happened on that night. She's just desperate, right? Yeah. But the girl is never found. Never? Oh, no. So the narrator's going, well, where is she? Could she be maybe in that... Those underground tunnels oh. that Jo told me about, uh-huh. and she even at one point grabs a hammer and she contemplates knocking through the wall to see if she can find the entrance. Oh, there's or no not. actual door. Okay. No, but she she can't face it. She can't do it. And spring turns to summer, and summer turns to autumn, and the mother starts camping out outside the bookstore on oh, a straw mat. I can really feel that, right? Yeah, and the owner makes the narrator go out and ask her to stop doing that. Oh, Um, no. And she does it. She has to. That's her job. That's what the boss says. That's business. And she says some pretty cruel things to the mother. Oh, dear. And then she walks away. She doesn't go back to the bookstore. She never goes back to the bookstore. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: then we learn that in the intervening years, her mother has passed away. She's left home and... She thinks back to those days, you know, what might her old boyfriends be doing, how the cats in the garden might be doing. She still has the same sort of job, working in a similar sort of place, living the same way. And sometimes, sometimes late at night when it's too quiet, she goes online and she searches the girl's name. She tries to find articles, you know, saying that we found a body or we found remains, but Uh there's nothing. She finds... Nothing and the last line is her telling us she has
0: told this story to no one. Oh, so, this is why she's telling us the reader, she's yeah. getting it off of her chest perhaps. Wow, it's giving me goosebumps. I don't know why. uh Tropic Girl saying, Yeah, she's keeping on getting questioned because she was one of the last humans to see this girl alive. And yeah, I guess that's where police start, right? With the suspect list as well. And uh, Nikolai also saying, what about this? Maybe she is within the story of one of the books in the bookstore.
1: Quite possible. It's a a curious thing. And... uh... Uh, what's interesting is our producer also read the book. Mm. It was like, he got to the end of the book, he's like, but, but that's, that's it. There's no solution There's no to this
0: crime, right? It, yeah. There's and no it, development of the story of the narrator either.
1: Yeah, it leaves it open-ended like this. And I think some
0: people love that kind of open-ended thing. And some people sort of go, but I want to know what happened. I need you to tell me. <laughs> I don't want all the options. Yeah, Tropic Girl also saying it still haunts her through her whole life, it seems. Yeah, something yeah. like that playing on her mind, right? Adidang.
1: Adidang. Adidang. Radio. Do you know how busy I am? Do you know how much I work I do here? I can't ever come out and see the sun on beautiful days like this. I spend the entire day underground, never getting any sun. Okay? So, why do you have to do this here? Why on earth here? Are you trying to put a curse on this store? Please, just don't ask me what I was doing. When nobody cares about me, why should I care about others? Chinju, your daughter, who is she? Nobody. She's nobody to me.
0: What? That's her rant to the mother, was it? Yeah. What's gone on there? Because... I don't know. I haven't read the whole book, obviously, but I didn't see that coming from the first few readings. Has something just snapped in her? And then yeah. you said she just doesn't go back to the bookstore. That's it. She's she's had enough. She's, she's a nobody.
1: Uh-huh. She's worthless. So why should she expend her energy caring when no one actually cares about her? Uh-huh. It's a reflection of how she she's been treated. And it goes back to the start of the book where she talks about customers, you know, mistreating her, Mm -hmm. even in some cases slapping her. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And at this point, she's just she's had enough. She's she's been pushed over the edge. And it's really it's really awful. It's a
0: it's a really sad moment in the story. It's uncomfortable to hear that. Right. Because that mother has gone through losing a child. You could just imagine this scene. Right. Vividly. Yeah. And this girl as well, the narrator, not deliberately wanting to target her, but it just seems everything's boiled up to this and she just can't take it anymore. Exactly. it's. A, I think it's a really powerful short story. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and what's really interesting is, it, is that the title in English really doesn't reflect the title in Korean. No, it's completely different, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, so the English title is quite cute. Kong's Garden. Oh, it's the kitten's garden. <laughs> um, but the Korean title has a much deeper but also harder to translate meaning, so I understand why they didn't. Try and translate it literally. Mm. So the Korean title is Yang e Mire. And it means something like what's in store for Yang? What's going to happen to Yang? Sure. What's the future for Yang? Mm-hmm. The thing is, what's Yang? Well, no, it's not sheep. That's another meaning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Could here, that. yeah,
0: here the word Yang, it's the title for an unmarried woman. Oh, you call someone something, something Yang, right? Yeah. Sun Yang or something like that instead of she or something. You can say that as well. Yes,
1: exactly. Um, You don't hear it so much nowadays. No, But certainly when I first came to Korea and I was watching uh, films and dramas, Mm -hmm. you'd you'd have young unmarried women characters being called this. Yeah. Um, So this character is anonymous. We -hmm. don't know her name, but the title tells us that she is this unmarried woman. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the story, there's actually an author's note. And the author explains that she sees these women called yang, as those who never took front or centre stage, women who appeared only briefly on the margins, or as girls who have always had to hold down jobs. Oh, interesting. So so these are the
0: worthless ones, the ones that society considers to have no value. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. Even in the convenience stores, it's often the case that as a customer, you know, you won't even look at the store clerk, the part-time person who's working there, right? Yeah. You just put your products on, pay your money, you're it's,
1: out. it's awful. You know, these are the ones, like the main character in the story, who are used and abused and they're destined to live their lives in the shadows. There's no happy ending for the narrator. Oh. She doesn't have a boyfriend. She doesn't get married. She's just doing the same job again and again and again. And the author, well, she also notes that she still sometimes thinks about that character. Oh, about wow. the narrator of the story and what she might be doing today, what she's got planned for tomorrow. Just in her fictional story. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a really interesting social commentary. And it's asking us that, well, maybe we need to do more. Maybe
0: mm-hmm. we need to focus more on others around us. The youngs of this world, and I'm sure, yeah, the gender thing is a big part of this. But there must also be, in this day and age, many young, single, part-time male workers out there who are not getting any Jews, you know, not getting maybe even said hello to and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the that's the terrible thing. It's it's so easy to look someone in the eyes and smile and say please and thank you and hello. Goodbye. It's not difficult to do that. And yet, when I go to the store, Mm -hmm. I see many people not doing that. Yes. And I I always do it. Mm -hmm. I have to say, one of the things, one of the promises I've made to myself, because I've worked in the service industry, I've been on the other side, I know what it's like. Mm -hmm. And I demand it of myself that I will say hello. Yeah. I will say please. Mm -hmm. I will say thank you. I will say goodbye. I will smile. Mm-hmm. And I will be kind
0: and I will be nice. Yeah, I, I I don't want to say it's a British thing, but a lot of like British families, when you're teaching your kids, just those manners, right? Just say please and thank you and goodbye and greetings. And so I try to do that as well. I try to get my kids to do it. They, especially my daughter, because she's shy. She doesn't want to do it. So she'll stop these days. But I think it's it's so small as well on your part, but it can make someone else's day. And maybe that sounds arrogant, but I also try and like, make eye contact yeah. once, right? Just look into their eyes. Sometimes I miss the opportunity, so we both kind of look at each other at different times. But when you make that eye contact and you kind of smile, even with the mask on, you can kind of tell the other person's smiling as well. Exactly. It's a little connection there, a little moment. Yeah,
1: and, and these Yangs, be they be they female
0: <laughs> or male... Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they have value. They have worth. They are human beings. And I think this the interesting thing about this story, yes, it's got this mystery about the missing girl, but more than that, mm. it's about this woman who who can't find her place in society. Yeah. That she's completely and utterly marginalised, and there's no hope for her. Mm. She's just going to keep on working these dead-end jobs. The men she meets in her life, they go off to university, they do this, they do that. But she's stuck in this tunnel, this endless tunnel under the bookstore. There's no way out for her. And to be honest, that's linked into the young girl as well. Mm. There's
0: no way out for her either. She's also a yang in many ways. Yeah. Uh, Just the flip side that i wanted to say like in korea it is all about service and stuff and we get great service from even people in car parks directing you where to go despite there being arrows and led signs everywhere but i also see and maybe it's because these people have been treated badly sometimes in part-time jobs in the convenience store. I'm using that example quite a lot because I don't know about the big superstores stores here, not as many part-timers I feel as in the UK or something, but you'll sometimes see them, like I said, looking at their phone or playing the game and they won't even look up to you like sometimes i think they've been maybe weathered down in those situations and they're not like looking for any kind of hello or anything and then i i feel bad in that instance like i feel wronged in a way like you haven't even said hello to me you know i know i know but but at at the same time i think we
1: have to we have to realize that that They don't owe us anything. Of course. Yeah. 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 And I I have felt that too, but Mm. I've had to stop myself and go, no, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) You do your best. And if you can make that connection good, or maybe you can make them feel a little bit better but if they can't do it to you, well
0: there's probably a good reason for it. Yeah of
1: course, yeah,
0: that's that's what you need to bear in mind. They're not doing that job out of choice probably. Uh, lots of messages from our listeners, Anna, saying, yeah it seems like the character felt the burden about knowing about that missing girl and she just wishes so much she had never met her. That is understandable. Maybe why things came to a head with the mother as well.
1: Uh, yeah, perhaps. Nikolai saying, since the character is a social outcast going from job to job, does she represent the common person in Korea? disillusioned youth well yeah you've hit the nail on the head Nikolai. Mm-hmm. not necessarily all no. young people uh, but certainly there's a section of society you know if you if you've not got into university if you've ended up having to work in a store if you don't have a full-time contract you don't have the benefits mm-hmm. you're just a part-timer then you are disillusioned you are pushed aside and you are going from job to job and it's a really hard
0: life. Yeah, there is that big section of society. Youth unemployment has been a big problem here in Korea, and we're getting such an aged population now in terms of it being lopsided. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, unfortunately, right? Lots of disillusioned young people. Uh, Tropic Girl also saying, oh, with those cliffhanger books, though, they're as annoying as movies for me, where the ending's just weird, leaving you with a what? (laughs) Uh, You know what, Tropic Girl? there are
1: two types of people in the world mm-hmm. and uh, we are different types of people. <laughs> I love an annoying ending where A you don't ending? know what's happening. Right,
0: And then you can create the endings yourself. You can go down those little rabbit holes, I suppose. <laughs>
1: uh, we've got Noah saying, I think this may be related to Backstreet rookie drama.
0: No? Oh, I'm not sure what drama that is, Noah, but do let us know if it has any similarities so here.
1: Uh, maybe, maybe one was inspired by the other. I'm not sure. I, I'm not familiar with that drama no. either, but we can find all these connections because authors and writers of dramas, they're, they're all... <laughs> they're all taking things from their lives from Mm -hmm. what they see around them and this is something that we can see every single day we can meet these yangs every single day
0: yeah and I like it when there's that message you know even if it's subtle like in this story perhaps Steve highlighting it sometimes doing nothing can be a form of a crime in itself and I watched the drama Extracurricular and that was about like child prostitution basically and a a guy stepping up and kind of being a hero but in the same time being involved in the industry but I like those dramas that kind of shine that light on part of society in Korea that maybe we don't want the light to be shone on just because it makes us uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, well this is the great thing about
1: Korean literature, they'll tell you
0: things that the tourist <laughs> organisations won't. Absolutely <laughs> yes, that is the case. Uh, thank you as ever, Paul, for coming in with this very interesting, very kind of open-ended short story today.
1: Uh, thank you, thanks to all the messages from the listeners, thanks as always to the Asia publishers for their help with copyright permission for this broadcast, thanks to Hwang Jung-un for her curious, really fascinating story and to Jun Sung-hee for her great translation next week.
0: Peter, it's a big week. A big one. Oh, it's Children's Day. It is. Are you going to be coming in with Something that kids can relate to more than more than this one, maybe. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a family-friendly <laughs>
1: story. We're going back to the fairy tales and folk legends of Korea. It's going to be a good one. You won't want to miss out, so you better tune in on Wednesday. We haven't done that
0: for a while. Looking forward to that, Paul. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you then. I'll see you then. Goodbye! You can listen to Check It Out with Paul Matthews on Adidung Radio's Hashtag Daily K every Wednesday from 10am KST.